Hey everyone, welcome back to the On The Brink podcast. I am so excited for today's episode because I have a good friend of mine joining me today. My friend Erin will be joining me and we are here to chat a little bit about her career path in the arts. And I know that I've had a lot of people on um, in the arts because that's just who I tend to be friends with. But Erin does so many different things and I'm really excited for her to chat about what those things are. And just to give you a little bit of background on how I know Erin, we met at UMass Amherst when I was a grad student. And actually, initially when I met her, if I'm not mistaken, I was ushering and she was a house manager at the Fine Arts Center. So actually, like, Erin was more in charge than I was. She was kind of like uh, my manager in a sense when I was working. And so that's initially when I met her, but we didn't really become closer friends until I had graduated and I became sort of um, a house manager slash event manager that kind of created a position for me. And then me and Aaron started working together a lot more often and we got to know each other and realized that we have quite a lot in common in terms of interest in the arts. And she's just a really all around great person, one of the hardest working people that I know in the arts and just generally. Um, She's definitely a go-getter. And I knew that when I was planning season three, I definitely wanted her on the pod because she just has so much to share with everyone, I think, and is just such an awesome all around person. So thank you for agreeing to be on the podcast and welcome, Erin. Hi, my gosh, thank you so much for saying all those wonderful things about me. <laughs> um, I'm really grateful that I got to get to know you better. And I feel like working, you know, bouncing ideas off of each other and inspiring each other is really valuable. And so I really value your friendship for that. Um, my name is Erin, as Emily said, I am 23 years old and I am currently a digital content and virtual event manager at the same venue that Emily and I both worked at in college. But I've dabbled in so many different places in the arts. There's not one particular discipline or one particular area that I have necessarily focused on because I just love being around creative people in general. So that's a little bit about me. Yeah, that's awesome. And so just for my listeners to get a better sense of like what specifically um, you majored in in college, what was your major and then uh, any additional like focuses or uh, minors that you may have gotten? Yeah, so I was a communication major in college and I had a minor in English and a certificate in arts management. So um, the communication major was really so that I could become as versatile as possible. I wanted to be able to do anything. I didn't want to be nailed down to a career. So my degree reflects that. And then how did you end up working at the fac, actually? Mm -hmm. Yeah, so I started working there my freshman year of college as an usher. And I was so nervous. I had never done anything like that before. I had always kind of been an artist and hung out with artists, but I never took that more professional um, position in the arts world. And I was terrified. But I, you know, got really close to the staff who was, you know, my managers and my bosses really quickly. And the more I worked, the more I was kind of like, that's what I want to do. I would love to be in a leadership role in the arts. And I love connecting audiences to the arts. That's how I felt too. um, When I initially got that job, it was like a great way to network. And also like, 
just a fun job, first of all. Like, when you get to usher, for those of you who may be listening who don't really know a lot about what ushering is or what, you know, different jobs in the arts are, basically, we got to uh, work these shows, like a variety of different shows, at the Fine Arts Center. And the Fine Arts Center gets a variety. I mean, they it spanned from... I don't know, like children's shows all the way to like different, uh, like interactive. I don't know. You worked some crazier things than I did. Yeah. <laughs> the first performance I ever worked was Once the Musical. It was a touring Broadway show and it was amazing. I loved every minute of it. And that was when I, I mean, my first, my first shift, I felt so valued actually by my, my boss because she, um, knew that I would be very interested in it. And she made sure that I was working in a place in the concert hall where I could watch the whole performance and get a clear view of the whole performance. And it was just the most exciting night. And I was like, I'm never leaving here. (laughs) I'm doing this forever because this is amazing. Yeah, I mean, that's the like amazing thing is that if you are an usher and you're actually interested in the arts, they will prioritize you getting to watch the shows if you ask and that was the cool thing at UMass like you would just go up to your house manager and say hey like I want to watch this show and they can't guarantee that you will be able to but like most of the time they made it happen so when I was first ushering as like a first year or second year grad student I mean I got to see every single performance that I wanted to and one of the highlights was the Silk Road Ensemble which um, was founded by Yo-Yo Ma uh, he's no longer in that group and he didn't he passed it along but it's the same same concept same people for the most part like amazing amazing musicians I mean like virtuosos in their field of um, like all sorts of it was like world music and it was the most amazing concert I've ever attended probably at the Fine Arts Center and those tickets were probably fairly expensive and I just, you know, handed out tickets or handed out programs at the beginning and then went in and watched. And like, that was the most amazing, amazing thing ever. So we were very lucky. Um, we were super fortunate. And I think, I don't know about you, but for me, like it kind of affirmed that I was in the right place, like doing what I loved. And it also like put me further on that path of doing those sorts of things because it just showed me like, okay, I like ushering. Now the next step would be to, you know, take it a step further and be house managing or doing some other sort of management. So as I got to know my boss a little bit better, you know, he kind of showed me the ropes and kind of told me like what I needed to do to, you know, move along, move move up to house managing. And then when I graduated, I was finally able to do that, but only because I had kind of worked my way up and learned a lot like along the way. And I don't know if your experience was kind of similar, like going from being an usher to a house manager. Yeah, I actually, so my sophomore year of college, I thought about applying to be a house manager, but at that point I still had some serious imposter syndrome. And I was like, I'm not qualified for this. I can't apply for this. I don't even know what I'm doing as an usher yet. You know, I have no idea what's going on, so I can't do this. And then um, my junior year of college, an opportunity came around again for me to apply to be a house manager. And that time I was like, I feel good now. You know, I've got two years under my belt. I'm going to go for it. And our boss at the time actually told me, you know, I really would love you to do this, but we're going to, you know, make you a lead usher for six months or three months, you know, half a year. Um, 
before we promote you to house manager and put you in that training program so that we can be sure, you know, that you're confident and that you have all the tools that you need. So it was definitely, you know, working pretty one-on-one with the house managers and proving myself, right? Proving that I wanted it and that I was going to be a hard worker is a huge part of it. And just being personable and giving great customer service, that gets noticed. Um, And not all of the ushers are always on the same page with that. So when you are going the extra mile, it goes a long way. Yeah, I will say I agree. Like not everybody is cut out for that. And like some people, it was more of just like a work study position. They were not actually interested in the arts. Sometimes that was a little frustrating for me because I would like get out of a concert and I would just be so like filled with energy and I'd be like wanting to talk about the concert with the other ushers who had to watch. And I'd be like, didn't you think that was the most amazing thing ever? And they'd be like, no, not really. And that was hard. But like, I don't know. I mean, it doesn't really matter what the other people think. It's like, you know, the ones who are really passionate, really good at their jobs, like they're going to move up. And that kind of goes with like a lot of different fields. I don't think that's just in the arts to be able to like work your way up the ladder. That's kind of necessary. Yeah. I love that you say energy. I feel like that's, that's the feeling that keeps me coming back to the arts over and over again. And I worked at a music festival actually, um, in 2019, over the summer, I worked at Levitate Music Festival as an intern. And I was working unpaid, right, because I was new and green. And I just wanted to get every experience I could make every connection that I could. And I worked some crazy hours. And again, not everyone was cut out for that. Some people were just there to see the, you know, to see the concert for free or whatever. But I ended up getting really close with my boss again. And I was there before the owner of the festival was there. And I left after the owner left at night and I worked my butt off and I wasn't even really that tired. Right. At the end of the day, you're like, oh, my muscles are sore. Like I need some sleep. But I felt so energized from being in the environment. And I just was motivated to work and work and work. I sat very little that weekend and I was just like so happy to be there. And and that's, you know, that's really what it comes down to for a lot of us. It's the energy that we get. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think a lot of us like sacrifice a lot of things in the arts, but when it comes down to it, if you love what you're doing, then it doesn't really feel so much like work. It's just more fun and you happen to get paid for that or not, Um, but you're making the connections, you're doing all the things um, that are necessary, you know, to work your way up. And so speaking of connections, I was going to ask you what you think the value of um, networking and like connecting in the arts what what is the value of that for you personally and just generally I personally think that networking is the key to everything you you know hard work is how you get noticed and how people remember you but you have to also make friends with the people around you because you can get more work that way or you can just get inspired from each other or you know help promote each other it's word of mouth is huge in the arts industry in general. And if you have connections with other people in the industry, you know, they're going to tell their friends about you and you're going to tell your friends about your connections. And it's just a really great way to collaborate and to gain more experience and to learn from each other. And it's so, so valuable. Yeah, absolutely. I totally agree. I think even like, me and you being friends like obviously we're friends so it's like you know friendship first but 
you know, we have like chatted about different opportunities and told each other about different things. And like kind of right now we're at a little bit of a standstill with the pandemic and not being able to do a whole lot. But I remember when I told you that I worked um, at the venue that I used to work at or kind of still work at. Um, when I told you about that, and it was like, oh, well, you you are a photographer, so maybe you could take photos at, like, one of the concerts. Maybe we could, you know, pass your name along for something like that. Unfortunately, that never really panned out, but I think if the pandemic had not happened, it probably would have panned right. out a little bit more. Yeah, I think some of the coolest projects and some of the coolest um, art pieces, arts experiences actually come from, you know, you're working on a project and you just have this idea, you know, I, I have this friend who's a really amazing photographer, or I have this friend who's worked on sustainable, you know, set pieces and you collaborate. And that's where some of the greatest art pieces come from, in my opinion. For sure. Definitely. And speaking of like all those different facets of the arts like what do you do you think that versatility I know you think that versatility is important um but like how has it been beneficial to you especially like graduate so I guess this is a larger question but you graduated in 2020 from (laughs) UMass and this crazy year has just been awful and I, I really feel for the graduates especially 2020 graduates because you lost the end of your senior year And then you had to, uh, well, you had to like suddenly leave campus and never really go back. And then you graduated and had to find a job in the middle of a world global pandemic. I know that you have made it work, which is amazing. And I know that you're super versatile. So has that helped you? I guess my my more focused question would be, has that helped you um, in 2020 specifically? Yeah, I, I definitely think it has helped me. Um, when it comes to what I'm really passionate about, you know, what gets me excited and gives me that energy that we were talking about, it's always live performances and it's being in person and talking to people and having my feet on the ground at a performance. And that's what really gets me going. But because I focused on versatility, I am able to be employed right now, which is really amazing. I spend a lot of times, you know, studying social media and figuring out how all of that works as a separate thing. Um, So I had my kind of performing arts life. And then I also had a photography and a writing life. So I was an editor in chief of Odyssey Online for a few years. I wrote for a few music publications and I also worked as a professional photographer. So those skills kind of gave me what I needed to be able to work in this climate with the social media being the focus and the live streaming and all of that. And that has been so, so helpful to me. I would not be able to work the job that I'm in right now if I hadn't been that versatile and also made the network connections that I have. You know, I'm working at the the Fine Arts Center venue where we've been working all this time because I made sure to stay in touch and to get connected with the staff there. And that is how I was lucky enough to have this job. Well, it's not just luck. It's, you know, hard work and a lot of effort. And like, I know we all tend to be like, oh, we're so lucky that this worked out. But it's like, in reality, most of it, like 95% of it is not luck. It's, you know, because you put in the time and effort to be versatile and to work really hard. Mm -hmm. And then the rest of it, you know, fell into place because of, yeah. you know, circumstance, but. Yeah, that's a great point. 
But yeah, I think you should give yourself more credit because I think like most of it is is because of you. And you did a um like while you were also ushering or not ushering when you were house managing at UMass and then you were a student and then you were also doing work for marketing, right? Yeah, I was a marketing assistant in the marketing department and that is, you know, one step below where I'm working now. I basically got promoted um, when I graduated. So, yeah. Yeah, so that definitely gave you a leg up having that experience. But I know that you, you know, were working crazy hours. I mean, you were trying to balance like being a student, being a house manager, having your own outside interests and your own social life and all of that. Um, So did it pay off? That is the question. Do, Do you feel like it was worth it in the end? I have mixed feelings on that. So I think that in terms of my career and where my career was headed, 2019 was the best year of my life. I felt like it was, you know, success after success. I was so proud of myself. And I think a lot of people feel that way. And it was going really well. And my hard work was paying off and I was seeing the benefits of that. And that is so amazing. But when the pandemic shut everything down, I also had this realization that I had been working so hard that there were things that I had put off. You know, I was like, oh, I'll go on a bar crawl around Amherst, you know, in my last month when I'm a senior and I have no, you know, no responsibilities left. And putting things like that off and just focusing on work all the time is my biggest regret from college. And it's a lesson, it's a hard lesson that I've now learned. And it's not something I, I would like to do again is, um, you know, if there's something I really want to do, if there's somewhere I really want to go, don't be like, oh, I have to work tonight. I'll, you know, I'll do that later because later it might not, you might not be able to do it. So um, yeah, it was good because it has, I've learned so much and I've grown so much from the work that I've done, but I also missed out on a lot and I wish I had a little more balance at the time. Right. Yeah. I think it's really tough um, to prioritize that balance of like work and your social life and school and and all of those things, because I know you're very like future focused and, and want your life to, you know, go smoothly and do everything you can in your power to make that happen. And I'm the same way. Like I'm always like driven towards the future and trying to like plan out my entire life. And it's like, if 2020 and this pandemic has taught me anything, it's that you cannot really plan for everything. You can plan ahead as much as you want, but it's not going to happen in the way that it, you know, as you anticipated probably. And I think it is really important to prioritize like yourself, your mental health, your social life. Like, sure, there's a balance, right? I mean, it's not going to be a perfect balance all the time, but like you can't just work, work, work all the time and then never have you know time for your friends for your family for yourself things like that so I think that's a really really great point and especially for those of us who are listening and they're in their 20s I think that's a huge lesson and like it's it is unfortunate like for you that you lost that last part of your senior year because that was supposed to be like the most fun the most fun time I mean, yeah, it was, but also I know, you know, this pandemic is not going to last forever. And for me, I know I don't necessarily want to live in a city forever, but that's the next step for me is finding a city to live in. And I will go on bar crawls in that city and I will make friends and I will have an amazing time because I've now learned that 
putting work before everything else, yeah, work's important, but putting it before everything else is not a way to live. Like you will end up missing out on things that way. Um, so a good mix of both in the future. Yeah, that's true. And you are still so young. You're only two years younger than me, but like we still yeah. have time in our 20s. Like so much time. And the pandemic, you're right. The pandemic will not go on forever. There's already, things are looking up with this vaccine that people are already getting. So I think that uh, 2021 and then 2022 are going to be much better years. I mean, it can only go up from here, right? Knock on wood. Um, but in terms of goals, so speaking of the future, what goals would you have and like where do you see yourself in the next five years or so? Wow, okay. Um, well, before the pandemic, my friend and I were joking that our five to 10 year goal, because you know, we got to give a little wiggle room there, is to start our own business. We thought it'd be really fun to build essentially a venue that can be open, you know, day to day selling products like a store, but at night turns into a really cool underground venue. Um, and it's also a great spot for people to come take photos and um, basically have a ton of revenue streams. I would really love to own my own business and to be able to support myself on that. But to get there, um, one of my biggest goals is to get a leadership position at a venue or with a you know touring company of some kind and to be working live performances. Um, and who knows how long that will take. For now, my biggest goal is to just save as much as I can so that when the world does open again and when I am able to do that, I have everything I need to just you know pick up and leave and go wherever and do whatever. Um, yeah, so ultimately, you know, number one goal, starting my own business. And it would be a very creative business with many moving pieces to it um, so that I'm not, again, I don't like being nailed down. I don't, I don't know if that's come through yet, but I like to, to be able to pivot. So, um, yeah. Nice. That sounds super cool. I, uh, I'll be the first one to come to your, to your <laughs> business, to your opening. Yeah, I would love that. Nice little cocktail bar with a live concert yeah honestly it sounds right? so amazing and I think we're all missing that like any of anyone who you know went to concerts before the pandemic like we are all really really missing that um like live performance like we're missing like all of that and like the human interaction like zoom is just not the same right like you these live streams I get it. I get why people are doing them. I get why people are watching them. I watch some of the live streams too. Like I, I do, but it's just not the same. It's just not. And I, th it's interesting you bring that up because I was actually talking about this with my mom the other day. I think there's a huge difference between like say our parents' generation watching a live stream and us watching a live stream or even kids younger than us watching a live stream because we've been exposed to so much video content and so much digital content that it doesn't feel special to us. Right. Going to a live performance feels special and watching videos is something we do all the time, right? We do it when we're bored or when we're procrastinating or whatever, it's not special. And so that, you know, that spark of, oh, I'm watching, I don't know, Jack Johnson's live concert on my TV is not as exciting for us as it might be for older generations. And, that I think is why um, we're just, I don't, a lot of people are, are receiving paid, you know, ticket, people are buying paid tickets and going to these things, but I don't think that very many people our age are doing that as much. 
And that has been a big struggle in the arts for sure. And it's something that we all kind of have to grapple with is where do we go from here? Um, because because virtual concerts give us more opportunity to reach more people, but is it really what people are looking for? Right, right. And people are, businesses are not making their money. They're not making a profit right. from doing this. So it's a lot of time and effort to create a live stream, but then the payoff is really not that great because places are not able to survive off of these live streams alone for the most part. I, I mean, I'm generalizing here. I know yeah. some places have really been thriving on doing this, but I think, you know, maybe they were more thriving at the beginning of the pandemic if they were able to transition fast enough um, back in like March and April. I think it was more right. exciting back then. And now we're like 10 months in and we're kind of like, okay, we're ready for the live, like in-person concerts again. And I think there's just been like uh, not as much interest maybe in the live stream. And I think you bring up such a great point about the different generations watching live streams because we, you're right, we're, we sit on our phones all day and now we've got TikTok and we've got, you know, all these other apps and, you know, people are like creating all these fun videos on like TikTok. And so you can go and scroll on TikTok for hours and it's like, you know, different content every single video. But if you're sitting and watching a live stream, on a screen and you've been on a screen all day, it's like kind of boring. Yeah. And even, I mean, growing up, I used to watch, you know, you know, there's like concert channels sometimes on TV, like Palladia was one of them. I used to sit and watch concerts with my dad all the time. And I loved it when I was a kid, but I think now I've just seen so much video and so much virtual content that it's not the same. Exactly. Yeah. I, I completely agree. So like for the future, being someone that wants to work in the arts, I mean, do you think that these digital like things will still be an option or do you think that people and do you think that people will be flocking to go to a live concert? Because I know I would. But like, what do you think that the, the climate will be like when the pandemic is over? I think that it depends on how successful this vaccine is, because if it's working and we have something like herd immunity, like what they've been talking about, then people will want to be in person. But if it's still questionable, maybe there, there will be a hybrid model. You know, maybe some people are willing to take that risk and some aren't. So maybe these concerts will be live streamed and have some attendees at a limited capacity. That's something that um, I think is possible for the industry. It's hard to say. Um, I know I personally, if this vaccine is working, would like to be in person. And I think a lot of people would agree with that. Another really cool option is a lot of venues, like I'll go back to Levitate again because I just love them and they're like, I, I, the community is amazing. Um, they have a restaurant that they have had outdoor seating at all summer and they were doing live concerts. They had, you know, picnic tables. You got six people at your picnic table. Those picnic tables were spread out and they just continued to do live concerts. And I think that's a really interesting model too, kind of a small venue outdoor model versus, you know, sell out a stadium for a concert. Instead, you sell out this backyard restaurant for a concert. And that is a really cool way for um, community building, community involvement through the arts, which I think is a cool opportunity as well. I think maybe it will be more of like intimate concerts coming back first. I think people will be skeptical, even if the vaccine is effective and works and is great. I think it'll still be quite a while before we're back to like packed 
stadiums or like sold out shows at like really large venues but I think you bring up such a great point that like the outdoor concerts might continue for a long time anyway because that was just a cool thing like I didn't really go to a lot of outdoor concerts just because in Western Mass there were not a lot of options and I think things got shut down and it was not the best situation but I heard in like bigger cities um, near you in Boston and, and in Chicago, they had more options for these outdoor concerts. And even like the, the drive-in concert option was mm-hmm. interesting. I don't know how I yeah. feel about that because I don't know that I would pay a lot of money to like sit in my car uh, and still be kind of far away. I don't know. I don't know what you think. One of my friends and I were actually going to try and go to one in Boston. Um, this band that used to play sometimes in Amherst and also played Levitate. So many worlds colliding, you know, the networking that we keep talking Mm -hmm. about. Um, They were doing a drive-in concert near Boston and my friend and I were going to try and go, but I couldn't make it. And it it seems like the online feedback from it was that everyone loved it. What band was that? It was called Surfliner. Yeah, they just came out with some new music, but you know. yeah, it's like cool, like surf vibes. So, you know, they were kind of like near the ocean, but also near Boston and they did a drive-in concert. I loved drive-in movies. So the idea of going to a drive-in concert for me, it's better than watching one on screen. For sure. You know? For sure. And you can have more people than you probably would in a backyard restaurant kind of venue. Mm -hmm. So maybe it's a cool in-between. I will be interested to see how it plays out in the future for the next couple years especially Mm -hmm. like what things stick and what things like people are just kind of done with and I think the like outdoor concerts could be a a hit for the future even when there's a vaccine and or I mean there is a vaccine but even when like it's safe to go I think there still will be more options um and I think that like also people like us who are working behind the scenes at concerts like this and working like managing because that's what I was doing you know event managing and that obviously you're gonna hopefully do things like that in real life when concerts happen again but I think we're gonna have to get creative with how to pivot for a while like how to incorporate maybe some virtual stuff and then slowly be back in person and I think it's gonna be a, a very interesting kind of transition period when things become a little bit safer and start happening again, like I think the people like us in charge are going to be having to come up with some creative solutions. For sure. One of my friends keeps reminding me, you know, cause I love to plan so much and things that have not been going according to plan. She keeps reminding me that everything is temporary and everything keeps changing. And that I think rings especially true for live performance for the foreseeable future. And that is an opportunity. And it's scary, but it's also a great opportunity. Yeah, no, I love that when you when you take like a difficult situation and you turn it into something that you can learn and grow from. And maybe um, even though it's challenging, it, it can teach you something for the future and kind of push you, um, you know, to try something different. But it is hard. It is yeah. it is really difficult in the arts right now. I know we're we're talking really optimistically and like now that there's a vaccine, I think there's a lot of like hope for the future, but uh even just last week the owners of the venue that I work at announced that they are no longer going to be continuing and so 
even though I am optimistic, it's like really difficult to sit here and like talk about the future of concerts when the venue that I work at, it might not even exist right. uh, after the new year. So. I mean, my whole office, my whole virtual office space was emailing about how heartbroken they were about that venue closing. And it, it makes a big impact on the community. But I do think that during this time, a lot of art and music and all of that is being created by artists. A lot of people are, you know, cooped up. And at first, not a lot of people were creating new things. It seemed like everyone was just processing. But now the art's starting to come out. The albums are starting to be released. You know, Taylor Swift has released two very quick close together. And I think we're going to see a lot of new art. And that will hopefully, I know it's hard. We don't want to be too positive. But that having new content and having new experiences coming out is going to be a benefit to the arts world. Definitely. Yeah. And I've already seen like the community coming together, especially when um, the owners of my particular venue, they announced and within like 24 hours, they had hundreds and hundreds of comments. They had, you know, thousands of likes on that post. They've already had people reaching out to them, trying to see what, what can be done because ultimately they want to sell the entire space, but retain it as a concert venue and cultural center. And so they're hoping that someone will come in and buy it. But um, yeah, there's a lot of opportunity for for new art, for, um, you know, I think change in a good way, because honestly, like where we were at last year, like we were going along, everything in the arts was fine, but it's like maybe this is an opportunity for things to improve, right? And and I think that is a, a good lesson for 2020 all around. Like, if we don't learn anything from this year, then I think we failed as a society. Mm-hmm. And I kind of talk about this in my in my other podcast about, like, a reflection on, on 2020. And it's like, we can see everything really negatively. We can see all the, all the bad. But if we don't do anything about it, if we – I mean, certainly – like the pandemic, we can only do so much personally, like wear your mask, be safe, you know, all that stuff. If the government's not helping, then there's not much we can do about that. But in terms of like other things, I mean, all the social injustice, all of the, um, just like literally everything in this world, like if we don't take that and grow from it, then like, what was the point of right. <laughs> of yeah. going through all of these challenges, you know? Yeah. It's a really good point. And I think something that I have paid a lot more attention to, especially now that everything is online, is accessibility. So many people have different needs. And in order to be equitable and make sure that everyone is given a fair chance to experience the arts, you know, I'm one of the people who believes that arts are for everyone. And there shouldn't be a financial boundary or a accessibility boundary for people experiencing the arts. Everyone should be able to be part of it. And hopefully we will be seeing a lot of changes in the industry that that leave space for everybody, no matter who you are. Yeah, definitely. And we, like, as people who are going to be in charge in the (laughs) arts, we get to, uh, you know, be part of this, right? We get to be part of all these changes that will hopefully happen in the future and that's that's exciting very exciting yes so my final question for you is Mm -hmm. um what is your biggest takeaway from 2020 and and just this whole year of challenges 
for you personally? My biggest takeaway is that I need to check in with myself more. And I think a lot of people do, but I don't, I mean, check in with myself in terms of, you know, self-care and mental health, but also check in with myself in terms of my biases, you know, they're there. And it's something that people have ignored for a long time. Um, and also checking in with myself on my goals. Am I where I wanna be? The answer is not really. So then the check-in is how do I get there? And what can I do every day? I recently started making weekly goals for myself and they're very small. It's like drink two smoothies a week or like stretch 15 minutes, three days a week. And I'm starting with small goals and building up because you have an opportunity every day to do one little thing that gets you closer to where you want to be. And it's only you can make that decision for yourself. And so that's the biggest lesson that I've learned is, you know, if you have a big goal, start with a small piece of that goal and work on it every day and just keep building up on it and you can do it. I mean, it's easy, it's easy to be, you know, a little sad and a little hopeless right now. And if you are, that's okay. But there's also an opportunity to look at life differently than we have before. Yeah, I love that. I think that's such a good sentiment um, to leave my listeners with because it, it, yeah, it's very easy to get caught up in the negative right now, especially it's like winter time and mm -hmm. we're in a really dark spot with this pandemic and it's really easy to kind of just like get lost in that and, and feel like really sad and, and down. And I, I do that and I'm, you know, trying to, to stay positive, but I love that you said like the small goals because mm -hmm. you can, I mean, people always talk about setting goals for yourself, right? But like setting a large goal, especially right now is, is just so difficult. So I love that you said that you're start, like setting these small goals for yourself. Mm -hmm. I might need to try that. Yeah. I mean, and it, I recycle my goals too. Like if it didn't go well one week, I just use the same goal the next week until I get it right. And then I increase the goal. So it's, you know, it's taking things in small steps, which I think is good for all of us. I love that. Yes. Great advice. Oh my gosh. Well, this was so much fun and I really, really appreciate your insight. And I just love all that you bring to the arts and like it's been honestly Erin is so much fun to work with um I miss I miss our days house managing together and I know the shenanigans oh, there were so many fun times I mean we would like <laughs> yeah. be chilling at like receptions there were some perks to this job there were some mm -hmm. definite yeah. perks to uh to house managing and and working at the fact so i miss it and i miss aaron and i am looking forward to the day that we can safely be in person again and have have shows and live events that will be a very exciting day yes we will get there thank you so much for having me on the podcast i'm excited to hear all of the great things that you have going on this season and it's going to be 2021 might not be, you know, the roaring 20s amazing year, but it's going to be an improvement on 2020, I hope. So I'm excited for that. And thank you so much for having me on. Yeah, of course. Well, thank you everyone for listening and see you all next week.